0: From beanies to carry bags, and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Telling it as it is, this is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. And welcome to the program. It is indeed hump day. And uh, the news guy, Matt Boylan, was just talking about something that uh, Gemma and I will talk about a little bit later as well and expand upon And just quickly, just touching on it, while it's terrific that uh, we're starting to hay people out who were injured, who were coerced into getting this vaccine, if you want to call it that, and I certainly cannot keep a straight face if I call it that, I would say an experimental medical procedure that may have DNA in it, that may definitely modify your RNA, something that I would have thought would be so scary, people wouldn't even imagine doing it, not even if it had been around for 10 or 20 years, but definitely when something was brand new to go ahead with that and think it was okay. But, of course, any compensation that you're likely to see is going to be coming out of your grandkids' uh, you know pocketbook because that's who's paying it, the government. And, of course, they don't have any money. They'll be borrowing money to pay these people off but we'll uh, we'll get on to that a little bit later. Thank you to Chris Smith. We appreciate you and he'll be back of course tomorrow and uh Gemma Cooper coming up imminently. I'm going to be talking to Jason Ackermanus, He Akka Acker, if you, uh, if you will, uh, AFL legend, one of the most outspoken sports personalities here in this country, and certainly a terrific fellow. Lots, absolutely, I've got a a bucket load of questions to uh to put to him and get his unique perspective on, as only he can. And the wonderful Kira Lee Smith, not just uh, uh, with some good news that I'll let her share with you um, a little bit later this hour, but also to talk about. Uh, I mean, he's just an absolute. Uh, I mean, I, I can't even use the word I was going to use. I'll probably get sued. He likes lawfare. He likes to sue people. Uh, Mark Latham, for example, he, he loves if Mark Latham says a word about Alex Greenwich. He's straight into it. This guy, uh, you know, a Sydney MP, uh, uh, just an absolute... Uh, there's nothing I can say It's not going to get me in trouble. I'll just bite my tongue whenever I, I go to describe Alex Greenwich, to be honest. But uh, he's he's going to introduce this equity bill. And, um, you know, it's just going to legislate lies. He wants men to be able to self-identify as women. And just the implications that that have. I mean, if that is put into law at state level, I mean, what does that do to sport? What does that do to business? I mean, we can't say no to the lunacy. It will be legislated. But uh, I I don't think that legislation is likely to get up. I don't think too many people are going to jump on the bandwagon of one Alex Greenwich. But of course, uh, stranger things have happened, have they not? The world's gone mad. And uh, yeah, we're living in it, unfortunately. Uh, So we'll get on to this right now. Now, the Albanese government uh, has just got $200 million. You know, that's fine, $0.2 billion, if you will. Uh, just, you know, we got plenty of billions of dollars, it would seem, and they're going to throw this into uh, regional areas, into uh, creating steel. I'll just read you the story. Uh, the Albanese government's $200 million grant to upgrade Australia's steel's industry is a crucial step forward, according to the ABC and others, to realising Australia's potential as a global green steel powerhouse now who wants to be this global green steel powerhouse it's something that's being foisted upon us and industry and the government has announced that the first round so there's more to come of powering the regions it's a fund called prf powering the regions fund will provide funding to blue scope steel a company that makes a lot of money but no, they're not going to pay for it because they're not that stupid. Uh, but they are going to give that to them. And they're going, and Liberty Steel as well, by the way, Now, Blue Scope is going to use $136.8 million to upgrade its number six blast furnace at Port Kembla Steelworks. And Liberty uh, has also been awarded uh, $63.2 million towards the purchase and commission of a low carbon electric arc furnace to replace its blast furnace at Wyala Steelworks down in South Australia. Now you would argue if this was a terrific thing to do, a common sense thing to do, something that was going to increase your business and and maybe cost you less money to do, I don't think you'd need a couple of hundred million dollars from the government, would you? You would simply go and do that yourself. But no, this is completely artificial. There is no organic push from within any industry to go and spend money on this nonsense themselves. So what they're doing, this massive wealth transfer if you all coming out of your pocket, out of your kid's pocket, we'll be paying interest on it because we don't have any money. We know we've got a big black hole. We're a big deficit. And uh, of course, we're borrowing all of this money to foist upon companies technology that they don't want that isn't uh, commonsensical, but we're going to push ahead and do it anyway. I mean, you must be absolutely devastated to think that's happening, but it's happening on a huge scale. Now, something I have to quickly uh, tell you about, because if you own one of these and I don't, and something uh, bad happens to you, I'm going to feel guilty. Now, if you've got a Mazda CX-60 or a CX-90, in fact, the current model, 2024 model, these things are being recalled. Uh, There's apparently a power steering gear assembly issue that could actually resolve in your death. So uh, when it's a pretty serious recall like that, I would suggest that you go if you've got one of these new CX60s or CX90s uh Mazdas. Um, you might want to go and do that. Isn't that weird? All the cars I've ever owned, it's never ever occurred to me once to buy a Mazda. Really weird. Or or a Mitsubishi. Uh there was that one ban. Uh anyway, uh the other thing that I will talk about, and we'll talk about that later. With Gemma, we'll just, in fact, we'll talk about it imminently with Gemma is uh, just what we're doing as far as, sorry, just getting my other bit of paper here, as far as this nonsense goes. All right, Uh, here it is. That's what I wanted. Uh, For a complete list of shows and the schedule offered here on TNT Radio, simply visit our website at tntradio.live. We serve up the latest live news and current affairs hosted by a bunch of expert commentators who can separate fact from fiction, truth, from propaganda. And where does that happen? Right here at TNT. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's
0: News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: I hate it when I can't find my piece of paper, Gemma. How are you?
2: Yes, very well, Dean, very well. I must, uh, uh, before we get into the editorial, because there's so much to talk about today, but um, I had a Mazda a little sports car and MX-5 and and it blew up outside my house. It caught fire. Electrical fault. Yeah. And um, the fire brigade came and it was when I was still working for the BBC and they were all knocking on my door at four in the morning. I was in my pajamas and they were like, your neighbors have called the cars on fire. I was like, I thought it was a dream. I was like, what? What's going on? (laughs) And then the the insurance men had to come and I I said, look, I didn't do it myself. It's not an insurance job. And they were like, no, 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 this is a fault with these little MX-5s. I think that's what it was called then. and um, uh, they, they do catch fire and it, all the back had melted into the road. It just caught fire. I mean, wow. it's crazy. Crazy, yeah. I didn't get one after that. I drive a Fiat 500 now.
1: That's frightening. I had a Mitsubishi van when I was younger and I had to tip five litres of oil into the engine to get me from Monday through to Friday, and I think I've only done a, about 100,000 kilometres, and, and again, when I got the motor rebuilt, they said, oh, it's pretty common for these particular Mitsubishis at the time, and subsequently, I would never buy another Mitsubishi again, and Mazda, well, now I've got a good reason to, after you telling me your particular story, Jim. Now, we were, we opened with um, compensation is now starting to be granted, uh, not just here in Australia, but around the world, And but we're not seeing the pharmaceutical companies uh, putting the bill, are we? That is the problem.
2: That is the problem, uh, and it's always been the problem, hasn't it? They're so confident of their product, they can't be sued when it goes wrong. Yeah, that says everything, doesn't it? That should have put people off in the first instance of getting it at all. But what we have got in the UK, of course, which you haven't got in Australia, because I'm not sure what your consumer protection laws are like there compared to the UK, but we have got this landmark case in the High Court of of people taking AstraZeneca to court for this Vaxvaria product under the Consumer Protection Act in this country, saying it was a faulty product you know you could apply that to a washing machine a car like a Mazda <laughs> that blows yeah. up yeah. um you know the product wasn't good enough the product didn't do what it said the product's uh, so called safety uh, this is where it comes in. They say the safety data was very, very loosely kind of interpreted, uh, and their studies weren't rigorous, and, and and it was a faulty product. Now, two people have brought that last year. I think we discussed it on this show, and now there's another 35 more who are saying we're going to do it as well. Um, and the, the compensation we're talking about, if they win, will be a million pounds each. Uh, and there are potentially 80 to 81 people uh, waiting for 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 the kind of test cases to go through. Uh, once that once that happens. Uh, if one person gets a million and people start to join the dots and think, well maybe my heart problem is 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 from that jab or maybe my uncle's blood clot that he found when he went on holiday wasn't from the plane it was from the jab then you've got the floodgates so if it's a million pound per person and you get you get a, a million you know coming forward it does start to kind of worry the pharmaceutical companies a little bit i don't think even if they end up paying out 81 million a million pounds for every person that may potentially bring this case 81 million to astrazeneca What's that? That's not a lot, is it? That's probably shareholder profits for a few people, few people at the top. Um, but it's it's the potential. It's the potential that it's got to take the onus away from governments, taxpayers' money. Um, and at the moment, it's ludicrous, isn't it? 122000 or 120000 Um, If you can prove that your life's been ruined or your relative has died, that's the money that the, the maximum. You will get from the UK government, but it is taxpayers' money. This will be different. It is uh, pharmaceutical money. Some, some in the UK government have already said to Rishi Sunak, "Listen, you settle this. Don't let the pharmaceuticals get involved because it's all kind of because the government indemnified them. It all gets extremely complicated." But the point being, of course, that people are now taking these massive, massive giants of companies, have ruined people's lives. They, they are taking them to court, and mostly lawyers won't take on a case unless they know they can win. So we're all watching it with interest here.
1: And of course, the government indemnification is, uh, I mean, they are more than complicit because had they not offered that, there's no way these pharmaceutical companies would have pushed ahead uh, with the expedience that they did to push these products upon us but at the end of the day they misre- misrepresented a lot of information which I would hope which I would assume I don't know how ironclad these contracts were but you would assume that if you've misrepresented along the way that uh, you'd be liable for at least some of this the problem is this fellow here who's now been granted compensation was a government employee now if this was a private company and they had been ordered to pay perhaps then a bunch of these private companies would get together and go after the pharmaceutical companies but when it's Again, they were complicit at every single level, uh, them and the media. It was solely, you know, them, the media and the pharmaceutical companies. So the three of them working together uh, with complete impunity, it would seem. But someone's paying and who's going to pay? Us, the victims, the fellow Australians and UK people uh, are going to be paying that bill. So that's not the type of compensation that we're looking for. We want the people who did the damage to pay personally and anything else I think is going to be a, a, a real short fall.
2: I wonder how many more people who who do work for government bodies in Australia now will look at this case and think well, i'm going to do it as well you know it, i know that co- compensation we want it to come from the people right at the top the pharmaceutical giants we do but for the if you have suffered an injury which many have we've all we've all got anecdotal stories now you know loads of p- presenters and staff at tnt have got anecdotal stories about people who either died i know a couple of people have died of heart attacks or have had you know really serious life-changing injuries you, you we do want justice for them however it comes you know the quality of life Those people irrevocably change the compensation for them should come, it should out of just justice and fairness. And I wonder how many more government employees might now have the confidence to say, You know, I I think something happened to me, uh, he's obviously going to be far from the only one, um, and and will come forward, or whether they people are still too embarrassed and too, too kind of like not ashamed that's not the right word, but too kind of it's not a nice feeling to feel you've been duped, is it? And it's not a nice feeling to kind of face the truth and think that you put this in your body, you thought willingly yourself, um, and now your life might be ruined.
1: Yeah, no, it is frightening. I mean, most of my personal friends are not vaccinated. I talked to a mate of mine who actually listens, you know, to to this network, someone who I thought would never, ever, Have done it, but he had to do it to make make money. He had to do it as part of his living. And he did. And he said to me in a casual conversation as I drove back from Queensland and was talking to him on the phone just a few days ago, he said that he's got this overwhelming sense of dread and he feels that he's dying. He doesn't have any specific um, thing that he can put it down to just ha- the way he feels now compared to how he felt three years ago. And he just senses, feels that he's slowly dying. I mean, that's as best he could describe it to me, but I wonder how many other people are just feeling, feeling like that and thinking, oh, maybe I'm just not, you know, fit. maybe I'm just a bit out of shape. And, uh, but they have to ask themselves, have they ever felt like that before? Because I really don't know where this is headed. And I hope that I'm wrong about it, but I strongly suspect in seven or eight years, there's going to be, uh, you know, evidence of just mounts and mounts and, Huh, we'll see. We'll see where we end up. Gemma, what have you got for us today?
2: Well, <clears throat> it's the story that we talk about so much, you and I affects our country so much, and are shocking figures out this morning that the government had just apoplectic about and saying we'll do everything we can to sort this out and of course this is immigration Um, but new figures and these are official figures so if you think that these are the official ones let's think of the reality of this. So this morning a lot of mainstream outlets are covering this um, and it's about migration. It's saying that net migration in the UK, that's the number of people who come in versus the people that are leaving or or go out. Um, Net migration will push the UK population up to 70 million wow. by 2026, 2026. Now, we're nearly in the second month of 2024, so that's less than two years now. Now, this figure of 70 million, the Office for National Statistics are saying this morning, they expected 70 million, but not until 2037. Whoa. Looking at the figures, yeah, exactly. Wow. Looking at the figures and the amount of people that are coming in and have come in over the last few years in net migration, they're saying the way things are going, our projections are it will be twenty twenty. Six. Now, the, the UK population is currently hovering around the 68 million mark, so that's another 2 million within the next two years. That's a million a year in net migration um, and it, it really is shocking because by 2036, they think that the UK population will have increased to nearly 74 million, and 74 million is one of the headlines that's doing the, the 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 rounds today. Now, that's an area of two times the size of Greater Manchester, most of the northwest of the UK, and of course, the Home Secretary, who's now responsible for this, James Cleverly, who replaced Suella Braverman. Uh, he he said yesterday, "We're doing everything we can. We've got targets which come out next month to bring down net migration to 300,000. It was nearly." Uh, 800,000 in 2022. So they're really saying we're going to bring it right down. We promise we're going to bring it right down, honestly. But of course, they're saying that there's a general election coming up this year, even though there's no official date announced yet. Um, he admitted yesterday when these figures came out last night uh, migration's too high and we must get back down to sustainable levels. Um, and he's announced this huge package saying the UK and France are going to work. Closer together because so many of these people are now coming in through the channel. Um, and he's going to increase, uh, I think, about a quarter of a million officers, UK officers working on French beaches and border controls, and increase uh, drones and plane surveillance in the channel. And now, Suella Braverman has come out with this because she used to be the former Home Secretary. She came out all guns blazing last year and said, Look, multiculturalism doesn't work, immigration's gone too far. She created, you know, she was accused of all sorts of things. Um, but she says, Look. This is too little, too late. These measures will help, she said, but it's too little, too late. It, it's gone too far. The schools, NHS and housing and I definitely housing. I'm seeing that right across uh, where I live. There's just housing going up everywhere because we've got nowhere to put people. Um, and she is saying basically it is too little, too late. And and I wonder as well, these are the official figures. These are official figures, you know, so they projected it on the map of people they already know have come in. Uh, but if you know that, that's people you know, that you've documented. What about people who just get off and, and run away and abscond straight away? Um, I was talking with Rick Munn on uh, Locked and Loaded about this in Ireland, they found some people in a shipping container uh, who were, who called the police because they thought they were going to die. Poor things in the shipping container. They, they got them out of the shipping container and eight of them just ran off, gone. What? Nobody knows where they've gone. And that happens quite a lot. So if you've got the official figures of every person, what about if for every one? Is there another one we don't know about? Do you see, this is where we are with official figures, they can only, you can only go on data in data out, but certainly for the UK within the next two years, another 2 million, million a year, that's the figures we're looking at this morning.
1: Well, you know, hopefully people wake up like they're doing in Texas, where they're ignoring the federal government and uh, the people are actually doing their jobs at the border, stopping people physically from coming through and just ignoring the federal government, because that's where all this madness is coming from here in Australia. They're now advocating that uh, international students are going to have an automatic gateway to becoming residents here in Australia. And again, you know, we're talking millions more people and uh, we're just not, not up for it. And you know what? If the Australian people don't want it, if the UK citizens don't want it, it should never ever happened Bugger the government. It's not their country. It's ours. They're supposed to do what we ask them to do. And how dare they do otherwise? And uh, while we're still voting for them, the same duopoly. Gemma is anybody's guess, but there's only one issue that really worries me, and that is the one we just spoke about. And we need to address that, and everything else can wait. We can put that on hold, and uh, sort that out, and then move on to other things. Gemma Cooper, thank you very much. Um, I won't be talking to you because you're off on Friday. I'm going to a funeral tomorrow, so I'll talk to you on Monday on this program. And, of course, you'll be back next hour with Sonia Paulton. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Timmer. Everybody stick around. Jason Akamanis, absolute legend uh, of a sportsman in this country, one of the most outspoken and brave sports players too when it comes to uh, commentary, and we'll be chatting with him right here after this.
0: TNT's Pervoy Morich. He details factually
1: how Russia is rolling out the algorithm ghetto um you know the 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 multipolar edition of the algorithm ghetto a prototype of a traffic light that records traffic violations by a pedestrian at a crossing was tested in moscow so russians now they'll they'll have a the government will take a snapshot of their face and then run that through the databases to figure out who is who and then find them uh i suppose uh and then you know he, he points out that there are a lot of developments now moscow 2030 it's, it's, it's uh, they want to make uh, Moscow achieve smart city status. Uh, and there's just, you know, you, you look at the white papers, Moscow and Russia are all in on Agenda 2030, smart cities,
0: algorithm ghetto, digital IDs. For Morich on today's News Talk TNT. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives.
3: One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like, I don't remember what I did last week, but like, I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible. I'm dying.
4: I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills, we had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I
2: could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it.
3: For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org.
0: the mighty might not see it coming. It's prediabetes and it captures one in three adults. You may not even know you have it, but you can escape. Take the one minute prediabetes risk test to know where you stand. With early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type two diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org.
5: The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as
0: great as the information fed into it.
1: That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth.
0: We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it.
1: TNT. And welcome back to the program. We'll get to uh, Jason Akimanis. Shirley, I was just having a listen to one of those ads with pre-diabetes. I mean, I had it. I had it big time. I mean, my blood sugar levels were 20-something, and the only time I ever felt deathly ill the entire time that I had diabetes on 15 years was when I took their Diabex tablets. I mean, it was the only time I ever felt bad. It was only after I moved to the Central Coast and I lost those tablets. After feeling dreadful for more than a year, I felt terrific. I felt as good as I'd ever felt. Then found the tablets, started taking them again, felt like absolute dread again. And I thought, I wonder if put two and two together, stop taking them five days later, feel okay. And I put two and two together. I fasted, really, really fasted, haven't had diabetes for eight, nine, 10 years. You can beat it, anyone that tells you you can't, I promise you, I have, I've done that. Um, But the only time I ever felt bad was when I took their tablets and I just lost a mate the other day. No, he wasn't vaccinated, died suddenly, and uh, he was taking the tablets. I'm not saying that was what did it, but I just put two and two together. I always ask what medication people are on or were on when something changes in their life. Um, I think we've got Jason ready to go. Yeah, we're going to be talking to Jason on the phone. Jason Ackermanis is, well, you'd all know who he is. Acker is a former professional AFL player who played uh, in the... uh, He's got a Brownlow medal. He's a triple premiership player who played for the Brisbane Bears, the Brisbane Lions and the Western Bulldogs. I remember... Uh, when he started as a young fellow playing for the Brisbane Bears back, was at 95 or something. Uh, terrific fella and very outspoken on topics that you will care a lot about, and we've got him on the phone. Jason, how are you going?
5: I'm um, well, yes, I couldn't get the Zoom link so you can see my lovely face, but uh, we'll get it done next time.
1: <laughs> mate, it's all good. It's uh, Mate, we, we'd we love to hear what you say, what you got to say. Mate, lots of stuff to talk about. Let's talk about Australia Day and Cricket Australia and Tennis Australia wanting to ignore Australia Day. I mean it doesn't get much more Aussie than sitting back watching the cricket on Australia Day. We had the Australian Open happening at the same time and here they were both organisations choosing to ignore
5: it. Yeah yeah that just shows the stupidity of these people that get into power or get, get in leadership positions and think it's a good idea. I mean if you can't be proud of a country like this I don't know what's wrong with you. You shouldn't probably be in those roles and you know, even Pat Cummings, give us a spell, mate, like, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you've got your caring heart and you care about Indigenous, which we all do, and I've got many Indigenous friends, but, you know, to to deny your country just because you feel like, you, you know, that somehow suffered that, uh, you know, in some extreme way that, that you either know about that we all don't know about, oh, I just don't get it. But Tennis Australia, after all the money that was given and everything to the, the prop them up through COVID and just said and they am going to make a huge profit which was announced which is a miracle because no one can really announce profits that quickly but they did and it just shows you that they've just got their thoughts and their opinions all in reverse like it's Australia Day, it's one day a year, go and have a look at all the other rubbish we have to put up with, we've got stuff that goes for a week, we get Anzac Day where those guys went, and the, the reason we're here is because of them and lost their lives, many families have been affected and uh, you know they, they, they saved our country and and helped and of course you know i I don't understand a lot of it but what really gets me is i say well what do you think is going to happen it wasn't the british be the spanish or the portuguese someone was going to come here because nothing much was happening and what do you want us to do just all leave and say oh well sorry i mean i'm born here and you are too and this is our country but you know now 300 years ago now you want everything to change and what's it all for is it for money is it for the fact that you want more land when you've got Indigenous of over 51%, so more than half of all Australians. I don't get it.
1: I, I, I don't get it either. Um, the only thing that I can think it's uh, to cause division because um, I remember, and I'm sure you do too, you know, I grew up with a tremendous amount of Indigenous people that I played football with, with a, you know, in the new town, inner city, inner city Sydney. And, uh, mate, all, not only are those people no longer there, they were terrific people that I grew up with it's these people who advocate for them these days, these blue and green-haired lefties in Newtown and Glebe and Paddington, those who, they're the ones who push them out. They can't afford to live there anymore. So, I mean, they're hypocritical at best. And I wonder if any of those people have ever even had an Indigenous friend, but there they are, you know, advocating apparently for them uh, every year, mate. Just uh, getting back to what we were saying, People Power, uh, Cricket Australia uh, reneged on that and they proudly uh, came out, well, begrudgingly, I should say, came out and said, happy Australia day to everybody at the ground.
5: Yeah, well, if you just, if you're an and you haven't been watching, you know, the polls clearly say that. Even last year, the voice was pretty comprehensive. Like, what do you want to do? If you if you want to make us a republic, that's great. Put a referendum. I'm sure it'll be pretty close. we we'll would probably get there. Then a, we're our own country, chosen date. That's it. We're, we're all there. We're all together. What, what more do you want? It's all, what's happened is that, but it's a done... It's uh, it it is what it was. It's you know it doesn't exist anymore. The past. It's it's a bit silly. So people power will get them back. And I say to people all the time, like you, you'll get your chance. Like you get a chance to vote. And just always remember your preference votes for Greens. If you think the Greens are somehow in the the same realm of our universe with their delusion, the the tills are worse. So, I mean they they just really I find most of them got huge mouths, no heart. Don't really help anyone. And the, the renewable crap that the Greens go on with, it, it's embarrassing, to be honest. So don't put your preference with them. Get these guys, kick them out, put someone in, a leader that just, integrity's all just say, do what you're going to say you're going to do. That's all we want. And that's what a leader, that's the first place to start. But we can't even get one leader like this, one prime minister to do that. Just maybe once would be nice.
1: Mate, well, you'd be aware, no doubt, of uh, Albanese being booed at the tennis. Uh, that was a resounding uh, no to him. And of course, when he was asked on a Sydney FM radio station, what did you think of it? He said, oh, you know, it's a really Australian thing to do. We all get booed. Well, you know, I don't remember, you know, every Australian prime minister. I mean, Chifley, Ben Chifley, could you imagine Australia booing him at any point? I can't even imagine that happening because he was a fair income uh, leader.
5: Yeah, I think when you lie, you just you open yourself up. You say you should get booed. He was also cheered 12 months ago. But until the lies caught up and the broken promises, you know, these stationary uh, tax cuts are probably the last straw for a lot yeah. of voters sitting on the fence. Because, you know, you've already looked after the lower and middle and the lower twice. Well, you know, the guys at the other end who pay, can I say, can pay combined more than the middle and the lower in taxes a year uh, now it's their turn, and oh no, no, we want to look after, we want to look after the low and middle income if we can, because you know probably most of the voters sit there. Like, not only do you not know what you're doing, you, you lie about it, and then you don't realise that the people that pay the most tax that actually do the right thing, unlike all your mates who shift money offshore that you do nothing about to get tax avoidance and all that kind of stuff. They go to Switzerland, all these low tax havens. You're not doing anything about them. I mean, you know Google and bloody Facebook. What do they do? They pay you a marketing company overseas just to lower tax, Uh, do something about that and you'll pick up a couple of billions straight up, but look after the ones that actually do pay the tax for once. That'd be nice.
1: Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? And we have to look at those people. They're the type of people that get out there, they spend money, they, they provide jobs, they often invest back into their own businesses. And it's a gift that keeps on giving, unlike when the government is the one that ends up with a whole whole bunch of money. And again, some people would even argue, you know, I mean, these are tax cuts that the country can't afford to have in the first place when we're in over a trillion dollars worth of debt. But let's not get into that. The simple fact is there were promises made and promises broken. Well, I've got a whole bunch of questions to ask you on the other side of the news headline. So if you can Stick around, everybody. We're with Jason Ackermanus. This is TNT, back after the news.
0: OK, everybody, listen up. Big news. Big news. Real big news.
1: Here we go. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Harrowing audio has been released of the moment a 15-year-old Palestinian girl was shot and killed by Israeli forces while speaking on the phone with Red Crescent officials pleading for their help. An Australian man hospitalised with heart complications stemming from the COVID-19 vaccine has had a massive win in court. And the European Union's foreign policy chief has admitted Western sanctions have failed to weaken Russia with fighting only intensifying in Ukraine. Why not give
0: TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk.
1: TNT Radio. TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. We're with AFL legend and Brownlow medalist, Jason Ackermanis. Jason, mate, I remember I've been, you know, following, you know, both the, uh, you know, rugby league and the, you know, AFL from back in the days when it was VFL and ARL, you know, so a long time. Uh, Here comes this young, well, where were you, 17 or 18 when you started? You were pretty young, weren't you?
5: Yeah, no, I was was drafted at 17, you could get drafted back then. And then my first game was, I was 18 years, just over 18 years and, Round four and ninety-five. I was still in year twelve at the time, so that uh, was pretty cool. Even though I went to an all boys rugby union school, we had no idea what I was doing every weekend, going away and playing in Melbourne, getting flogged back then into theirs. But yeah, it was a long time ago.
1: <laughs> hey, I, I remember when you said rugby union school. It triggered a memory. I remember you threatening at one point um i can't remember what the circumstances were that you were going to leave and go and play rugby union and i and i thought god how good is this guy that he can actually go and do that um so you've just answered that question i've always wanted to know how you knew how to play rugby union so well and be such a phenomenal afl player
5: yeah yeah i was very lucky but you know uh, rugby league and rugby union, i just didn't really have the body shape plus for me with ADAC is too boring. You can't, you've got to wait for the ball, you got to kick it, you got to tackle. Like Aussie rules, you're always on the go. So for me, it wasn't really that hard. Plus, I was incredibly good at it. So I, you know, I didn't really entertain thoughts. But that was when Wayne Kerr was going to come up to the lines and I said, and That I don't was think it. That and uh, I'm going to rub you in if you want to do that. Jeez, you want people you can trust. But anyway, that's another story. I know Wayne now and you know he's, he's owned it all and that's good and he's been moving forward and he's, he's a better man for having gone through that
1: crap. Yeah, mate, mate, you know, everything, what's the old saying? What what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that is oh so true. So it was only five years after they changed from the VFL to the AFL when you started. Mate, now, was this wokeness, could you feel elements of it then? Because I don't remember anything like that as a spectator. I don't remember anything like that happening around about that time. Was it there in some small form and did it creep up incrementally or were there stages where it just jumped up a whole notch that was really noticeable over time?
5: Yeah, I think it just, by the end of my career, was certainly starting to come in. I I can't really put my finger on it, but I I think it's about... The generation, the change in parenting, you know, it wasn't that often. Like when I was at school, you still got the cane. So, you know, it's not saying it's right or wrong. And, you know, our parents would probably whack us around when we, we did the wrong thing. i got the strap. Um, but, you know, it did t- teach you right for wrong because you, you do get a bit of pain and some memory with it. And say, OK, maybe I don't want to do that. So you still have these choices. But uh, <laughs> the generation that let the guy that came last get a ribbon, I'm like, you know what? You came last, man. Maybe sports is not your thing. <laughs> go do something else. Yeah. Like that's, what, that's what it teaches you. And then if you want to go second last, well, you've got to go do some training and build some resilience. And these guys have none of that. So what they do is they just, uh, particularly these days, and, and late in my career, a couple of players i played with, particularly like Robert Murphy, who last year, there's obviously me and him were, well, there's few words in the media, particularly about their column in, in 2010, about uh, homosexual players in the AFL and all this kind of stuff. Like, just complete and utter crap. But the thing I notice about these guys is that they will talk tough, but they ain't tough. Like I tried to talk to Robert about it many times, for example, and I find nearly all of them like that. They'll get in the media and they'll, they'll beat their chest and the teals and, you know, all these guys are greens. And when you really put it to them, they just go to water. And you saw that with uh, Australia Day. Well, you know, your public servant. No, I, I, I don't agree with Australia Day, so I'm going to go to work. Let me tell you, none of them were at work. They're all full of crap. So take it for what it is, but that's, that's my opinion of, of dealing with them. But I think it's this mentality that, you know, you should get praise when you don't deserve it.
1: Yeah. And Jason, that's why I've got so little respect for those in print media, because at least if I was going to have a go at you, for example, you could have a go back at me in talk back radio or whatever, even in a TV live interview, if we had a back and forth and we didn't agree on something, you know, we, people watching could establish who the winner is, who's right and who's wrong. But in the print media, mate, it's like, it's like a hit and run, isn't it? We'll write whatever we want about this, this fella, and then we'll just take off and there, there will be no consequences. And now with the, the print media, they even turn off most of the comments online to people can't even go and say what they think of the article.
5: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's another problem. But you know, the, the the biggest problem with the articles is the sheer power of the pen. It's always been the the most brutal of mediums. You know, whenever you get a story written about you, as opposed to people that can see it, and there's a bit of toing and froing, and you know, there, there's generally some balance. Not always. Look at the ABC. There's pretty much no balance, even though that's their job. So <laughs> you you can yeah. see how it goes. And but look, I I wrote. I've got. You know, I was just reading an Andrew Bolt's column, like, there's some, you know, Crash Craddock, these kind of guys, there's some great writers out there too, who who will have a go at you, but also, say before I do, I'll ring you, I'll tell you, and you, you've you got every right to ring me and tell me what you think personally, if you're offended or whatever, and I'll give you another platform if you want. So that's what the good journalists do, but yeah. today, you know, it's easy to sit in your chair and punch out 5,000, know, thousand words and chuck it up there
1: in print. Yeah, mate, there was a bunch of other things I was going to talk to you about. In fact, one thing that uh, I would have shared with our next guest, who's Kira Lee Smith, is uh, this, uh, you know, Alex Greenwich, uh, you know, in Sydney. I mean, he's going to be pushing this bill to, you know, allow guys to identify legally as women. And I'm, I'm just, you know, from as a sportsman, you can imagine the implications of that in sport if that was enshrined in the law. What an absolute nightmare.
5: Well, I, I, I mean, you don't have to be a scientist to know that you know, there's two sexes. It's pretty easy to work out, you know. <laughs> then, then you've got all these other... How there's 26... Uh, there could never be 26s. There's only two sexes, male and female. Don't get me wrong. You may like your own sex. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's the way it is. But that's not a separate sex. That's, that's your likes. That's your choices. That's what you've been born as. But you're not another sex. You can never be another sex. You can't pretend to be someone else or something else. This, this absolute crap's got to stop. So hopefully we get a politician who uh, just knocks the crap out of this wokeness and says, it, it's gone here to die and that's it, it's over. There's, it's the way it is. There's male, there's female. You might get some that might have two and we'll call them whatever. We'll have to work that out. But that's what it is and that's the way it will always be. And the rest of it is choice and what you feel, fine. But call yourself that, but that's not a sex at all.
1: Yeah, now, now Jason, mate, you're a champion on the field. After talking to you many times, a champion off the field. Uh, has is politics ever anything that's uh, occurred to you or something you might want to do down the track?
5: Yeah, it's a tough one. I'd like to, but you know, because I, I think I could help. I reckon we could. You know, there's lot, so many things to fix. It's not funny, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'm I'm up for it now mainly because you know I'm, I'm an easy target because I'm I, I suppose I just got to get a bit smarter, a bit older. I reckon a bit more experience, and I'm probably more a fifty-sixties kind of guy. That well, I would run for it then when I'm I'm pretty happy with everything I've done. I've got many other things to do, and getting a nice pension and all that sounds great. I don't really care about the money. I'd be doing <laughs> it just because you could do the right thing for the people, and then I'd do it. I'm sure I'll, I'll get some votes, but yeah, it's probably for another another decade or so. But absolutely, because in the end, if you're going to lead, you might as well do it and help your people. You know, I'd happily do it for nothing. You know, PM. I said, we'll just put him in the super. Don't care. Got plenty of super. And is what we're going to fix. And here's our plan. And vote for us. That's what i would be doing.
1: Absolutely. Mate, as I said, a true champion on and off the field. Something I'd love for you to do at some point in the future because, you, mate, you've got a strong following out there. People trust you, mate. They know that, as you said, you do it for free. And that's exactly the type of person that you come across as someone who is entirely genuine, mate. And uh, I thank you for coming on the program. And we'll do it again at some point in the future. Where is it all? That's, thank you, Jason. No at Jason, Jason time. Thank you, my friend, Jason Ackermanus, Everybody, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to Kira Lee Smith, right here at TNT de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
0: Well, we've got a big January thaw going on across Europe and the United States, and it will last into early February in a lot of places. And the reason this is happening is because the madden Julian oscillation is moving through some phases that when the United States gets warm, Europe gets warm. But the jet stream is going to crash into the west coast of the United States. So everybody will be yelling and screaming about climate change and atmospheric rivers. But this is something that happens whenever the weather pattern is going to change we've pointed this out in europe and guess what it's going to start happening in europe too the first week of february is probably going to be very wet and then it will turn cold again in europe whenever it gets wet and stormy it's not only a sign that it's wet and stormy it's a sign something else is about to happen in this particular case we look for a frigid end game to winter in the united states from about oh february 7th or 8th right into mid-march and europe is going going to turn cold too. So if it happens and you start hearing climate change, you could say, well, wait a minute, I heard that Neanderthal climate denying guy and TNT tell me this before the fact, because what they do is they wait till after and then explain it to you. This is TNT climate and weather Watchdog meteorologist, Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got.
3: I was such a young age, everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through, and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador, so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer.
1: The conversation continues Continues. with Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And today we have champions aplenty from Jason Akemenis to the wonderful Kiralee Smith. Now, for those of you who don't know who she is, and most of you would, she's a spokeswoman for Binary Australia, an organisation standing for the reality of biological sex, male and female. That's all folks. Now, she's a passionate wife and a mother who uh, who's challenges our political leaders to protect our children's rights, parents' rights, women's rights, services, sport, military and educational and radical gender ideology. Kira Lee her leadership position at the Australian Conservatives since 2019 and has focused on the regressive left's campaign to de-gender society. She is an absolute champion and welcome back to the program, Kira Lee.
4: Thanks for having me, Dean.
1: Now, that smile, you've always got a smile, (laughs) but it is ear to ear today. Now, I knew you had a win. The win that I was aware of was about a week ago. You've had another one today. Could you tell us about both of them, please?
4: Yeah, it's so good. So um, last week uh, the New South Wales Civil and and Administrative Tribunal dismissed uh, a case that uh, someone brought against me for vilification because I called him a male, but he would like to be called female. (laughs) Uh, That case was dismissed. The New South Wales Attorney General stepped in and said, no, NCAT is a tribunal. It's not a court. Uh, They're not able to hear that case. So that was dismissed, which was great news. And then today uh, was the decision of an application of an apprehension of violence order against me, again, for identifying a male uh, soccer player in a female team. And um, the magistrate denied that application for the AVO. So another win. That's now five out of five. I've had three AVOs, a couple withdrawn, police withdrew one, and then this one denied. NCAT1 chucked out. A guy who was defaming me, we settled out of court, and then I've got one more NCAT1 to go. So wow. um, good record so far. <laughs> Very
1: happy. I I love it. I really do love it. Now, whatever happened, we grew up with uh, sticks and stones, you know, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that ties in with violence. And to me, there is no other type of violence except physical violence. Words cannot hurt me. I can choose to be hurt by a word, or I can be like a duck and just let the water flow off my back. And that's why it really annoys me when people try and say, you know, get an AVO, you know, as if you're somehow trying to physically hurt them because they don't like what you're saying. And what that is... In my opinion, that is their bigotry. And the definition of the word bigotry, most people who use the word don't even know, it means those who are highly intolerant of the opinions of others and the only people who typically ever use the word bigot other than to explain it as I just did are bigots. And again, the stuff that you've had to be uh, contend with is ridiculous. It really upsets me, and I'm sure it upsets most of the people watching, that after all the mental trauma that that would put you through, and thank God you are as strong a woman as you are, because that would kill most people. Most people would just give up and never do any of this again. But I mean, surely you should be subject to some sort of compensation for the damage that has been put forward when it is found to be, you know, nonsensical, if you will.
4: Yeah, look, and unfortunately I probably won't see a cent uh, in in terms of that, especially the NCAT ones, that's taxpayer-funded. But you know what, Dean? I've got 100,000 email subscribers. We've got a big social media reach. I've got people like you in the media. Um, And I'm just one voice, and I am a voice for the voiceless. This isn't just about Kiralee Smith at all. This is about all Australian women, children, men who just want to speak the truth and have... You know, reality, we just want to say men are men and women are women and uh, there's unique and wonderful differences that should be celebrated, but there's also protections that particularly women and children need in a society. And It, it is ludicrous that I have to go to court to defend common sense, reality, evidence-based science and, uh, and be put through the ringer as I have been in the last year. You know what? I'm not going anywhere. I'll play chicken with these people until the cows come home, using my, you know, rural analogies there. But um, this is too important um, to walk away from. I won't walk away, I won't be intimidated, and I will continue to speak the truth and to say that there's only two choices, there's male or there's female.
1: Well, I mean, you've been staunch, you've been strong, you've been politically active for as long as I've known you that's been a lot of years and I remember back in the Australian Liberty Alliance days and I thought that was the party everyone should have been voted for and I was running as a One Nation Senate candidate at the time and I strongly thought the Australian people would be smart enough that you lot would have got more votes than One Nation because you were saying all the right things to the extent that I would have liked to have said but we had a certain threshold that we couldn't go past and the Australian Liberty Alliance was getting it right, they had terrific candidates such as yourself and you're carrying that forward today and you're speaking out for those uh, who don't have a voice. I think it's terrific. And more to contend with. Alex Greenwich, this equality bill. It is absolutely nuts. Um, Where do you want to start?
4: oh, look, where do you start? It's quite terrifying. Basically, he wants to bring in um, and legislate self-identification so that any, um, and let's face it, it's it's mostly the males who will take advantage of this. There are women who will do it, but um, there are males who will be able to simply say, I feel like a woman. Like, what does that even mean? How can you feel like a woman if you're not a woman? But a male will be able to say he feels like a woman and be able to change, rewrite history, historical facts of his birth certificate. He'll be able to say that he's now female and have access to female sports, services and spaces. And uh, look, where this has happened around the world, Dean, it's been absolutely catastrophically disastrous with male, violent male criminals ending up in female prisons. You've got men in male, uh, sorry, female rape crisis centres running some of these rape crisis centres. You've got um, teenage boys uh, accommodated with girls on school camps. You've got men in women's change rooms. You know, in Canada, you've got a 50-year-old man who says he identifies as a 13-year-old schoolgirl and he's swimming in the pool in uh, races against these girls. It's just, it's ludicrous. It's beyond my comprehension that there are politicians in this country even considering it. States like Victoria and Queensland have already brought brought it in, but Alex Greenwich's bill goes a lot further. It will criminalise misgendering. It will criminalise parents who uh, simply want to encourage their children to embrace the reality of their biological sex. It will criminalise pastors uh, who want to pray for people. Like so many extreme, and it can only go in the category of thought crimes, Uh, so... You know, we already have a ridiculous system as it is. Where I've just been dragged through the courts for the things I've said, but it will it'll be on steroids if Alex Greenwich's bill succeeds. And unfortunately, Labor look like they're going to do some deals. And if they don't accept Alex Greenwich's bill, they say that they'll write their own.
1: If I had just awoken from a twenty year twenty year coma, and you told me all of that. I would have thought you were having a lend of me. That is the world that we're living in. Um, I think, uh, as you said, Labor, the Greens, almost indistinguishable at this point. And I think the Australian Open tennis and the booing of Anthony Albanese that was resounding. And for those who said, "Oh, that's because it was a rich crowd and they didn't like that they missed out on the stage three tax cuts," no, that was just a general, uh, the general consensus of the bulk of Australia as to the wor- one of oh of, no, the worst. Prime Minister, I think, that we've ever had and they get progressively worse, it would seem. But um, that's a resounding no to anything that anyone from that party is likely to vote on. And as you said, I mean, I, here I am, I said to you off air, I mean, Alex, this bill from Alex Greenwich, he's a bit of a nobody, it's not likely to get up, is it? And you said, well, no, Labor will probably do a version of this and, yeah, you're probably right.
4: And Alex Greenwich, you know, as an independent, wields way too much power in the New South Wales Parliament. He, um, w- you know, he wills and deals and makes... Uh, yeah, I'll, well, I won't use the word I was going to say. He makes deals with people um, and holds things over people's heads. It's it's really insane. But just for anyone on the street or in the parliament to claim that someone can change their sex is is lunacy. It is absolute lunacy. It is not evidence-based. It's not scientific. It's not reality. It can't happen. And so the fact that our politicians want to legislate this to protect some men's feelings who their feelings might get hurt if we actually (laughs) say uh, mate you're a bloke uh, shows you just how far down the tubes our governments have gone and you know quite frankly your listeners need to especially those in New South Wales need to get on the phone make appointments send emails and really you know light a fire under the butts of these politicians and say you will not get my vote if you go along with this nonsense because what I'm finding is a lot of these politicians are not hearing from their constituents because most of us are so fatigued and know that they're not listening to us anyway, but they need to hear from us. So don't underestimate the power of your voice. Stand up and draw a line in the sand and say, no, we won't accept this. That's that's really going too far.
1: And it really is um, coming down to almost a free speech thing for us because here, here are deluded people asking us to buy law, have to buy into their Delusion. If you're a guy and you want to dress as a woman, you want to cut your bits off, you want to do whatever, great, do what you want to do. I don't think most of us could care less. But don't, especially by law, expect us to play play along in your charade. And that's what it comes down to. And for them to enshrine this. And then just the physical damage that could be done. Uh, Let's say this goes ahead in some way. Um, Again, all that sports stuff that we've spoken about, there will be no shortage of men in women's teams knocking the bejesus out of women some of them could end up in comas or in hospitals this is the actual level of measurable harm that is going to come and only from this and the best thing we could do is stay a million miles away from it the fact that we even have to entertain this nonsense tells you and i can't imagine it's anything other than a distraction away from things that really do matter, that do hurt and will be irrevocably damaging this country because it's such sheer madness. Why else would you do it other than to draw my attention away from more serious things?
4: Yeah, look, it's, it's really crazy. There's, you know, a very insidious agenda here. There are some encouraging things, though, Jean, you know, like the backlash against Rip Curl and the um Sasha Lawson, Lawson I think his name is, um, this week, you know, massive boycott, Rip Curl forced to remove all their social media posts of this man who they replaced. You know, they replaced Bethany Hamilton, an absolute hero in women's sports, um, and also Ben Shapiro and Tom McDonald, Independent artist um, has gone to number one on worldwide charts with a song called Facts, and, uh, you know, they refer to these things like gender. So these politicians need to read the room, Dean, because Australians are fed up. They've had enough, you know. They're buying and downloading songs about facts. They're, um, you know, boycotting iconic brands like Rip Curl because of this. They need to listen to what we're saying, and we will keep pulling back the covers because there is an insidious Marxist agenda here that is about us being reliant on the government and the government getting in between parents and children Uh, and that's the real trauma and the real problems that's going to happen here is that the government will get their hands onto these kids and be able to remove them from families where parents are saying, no, we don't want our children on puberty blockers or hormone uh, therapy and things like that and uh, it's going to be a disaster
1: do you have any numbers? I'd love to see some long-term data. Maybe this hasn't been happening long enough long enough for us to have uh, collated the, the data, but I mean, I can't imagine that in situations where child children are put on puberty blockers, and let's say 10 or 15 years on, that the outcome is good, where they're happy with their decision, where they're happy in their life. I just can't imagine that that is the case.
4: Yeah, look, it is limited data because a lot of academics are threatened and sanctioned if they try and do the studies for one. Two, um, it is only been in the last decade or so. But what we do know is that children who are not put on puberty blockers and allowed to progress through puberty they were supported and encouraged in their um, gender dysphoria. Once they got through puberty and became adults, they accepted their natal sex, uh, the reality of who they were. However, about 90% of children who go onto puberty blockers do then go onto cross-sex hormones because puberty blockers mess with your brain, they mess with your bone development, they mess with your sterility and your sexual function. And uh, what we are beginning to see now is an increasing number of de-sisters or de-transitioners who are are regretting immensely Um, going on these drugs because of all the medical problems that happen as a result of it they're going to be lifelong medical patients and they're very serious consequences and so I think we're only just on the edge of starting to see lawsuits and um, regret that comes with this territory.
1: Kira Lee Smith, as always, hitting the nail on the head. For people watching, if you'd like to get in contact with Kira Lee, see what she does, or contribute to what she does, binary.org.au is where you'll find her. Of course, she's very active on social media as well, including Twitter. I do believe where is where I saw that post. Kira Lee Smith, we got to go. You're terrific. Thank you for joining us. We'll do it again real soon. Thanks, Dean. Sonia Polton up next.